On the podcast today, we are going to dissect chapter 20 of the Tao Te Ching, which makes up the 20th episode of the 81 Meditations on the Tao Te Ching. And as usual, Guyang will read Jafu Feng and Jane English's translation, and I will read Derek Lin's translation. Give up learning and put an end to your troubles. Is there a difference between yes and no? Is there a difference between good and evil? Must I fear what others fear? What nonsense. Other people are content enjoying the sacrificial feast of the ox. In spring, some go to the park and climb the terrace, but I alone am drifting, not knowing where I am. Like a newborn babe before it learns to smile, I'm alone without a place to go. Others have more than they need, but I alone have nothing. I'm a fool. Oh yes, I'm confused. Others are clear and bright, but I alone am dim and weak. Others are sharp and clever, but I alone am dull and stupid. Oh, I drift like the waves of the sea, without direction like the restless wind. Everyone else is busy, but I alone am aimless and without desire. I'm different. I'm nourished by the Great Mother. Cease learning. No more worries. Respectful response and scornful response. How much is the difference? Goodness and evil. How much do they differ? What the people fear. I cannot be unafraid. So desolate. How limitless it is. The people are excited as if enjoying a great feast. As if climbing up to the terrace in spring. I alone am quiet and uninvolved. Like an infant not yet smiling. So weary like having no place to return. The people all have surplus, why I alone seem lacking. I have the heart of a fool indeed, so ignorant. Ordinary people are bright, I alone am muddled. Ordinary people are scrutinizing, I alone am obtuse. Such tranquility, like the ocean, such high wind, as if without limits. The people all have goals, and I alone am stubborn and lowly. I alone am different from them and value the nourishing mother. So this chapter again builds on the last two chapters again, but this is Lao Tzu saying how he differs from the ordinary person. We see all throughout this chapter, I alone and referring to himself and ordinary people referring to the way of the world. And so this chapter is very important for all of the spiritual seekers, especially those who are following the Tao. What some people might call Tao cultivators or people abiding in the Tao, no matter whether you are on the Taoist path or even, say, Vedanta or Buddhism, for example, why you start to feel different to the rest of the world. And this is Lao Tzu kind of reassuring you that you are on the path and you are, <laughs> and you are following the right way yes. as opposed to the way of society because you have two choices. You can follow the way of the world yes. or the way of the Tao. Yeah, this chapter is actually, instantly I felt, ah, this is such a beautiful poem, really. And really clear observation by Lao Tzu of uh, others and in society and of himself as well here. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's such a beautiful, like a self-narration on um, how he feels Mm. of himself amongst others. And it is a very, I think it could be very significant chapter for all of us, as you mentioned, 
people who are walking on the path of um, authentic spirituality. And yeah, and I'm actually uh, glad that he put that into he the Tao Te Ching that he put his own feelings mm. yep. to be alone in the society. Mm. And a lot of people struggle with this concept of aloneness. We even did a podcast last year on, on loneliness on the spiritual path because a lot of people suffer from it when they're not mature enough to understand it. And this is Lao Tzu's saying to us from the mature perspective. Yes. He's explaining how he sees the world yeah. and how comfortable he is in the world, yeah. even though he's at odds with the world. Yes. So that's what's important in this chapter. He doesn't differ from following the way, yeah. following the Tao. Because mm. he, as he mentions, he's nourished by the great mother, which mm. is the Tao, which we'll get to later. Mm. But he lived in a time when the moral flavors of his time was Confucianism. Yes. And so he was completely at odds because yeah. he disagreed with women binding their feet. He disagreed with a lot of book learning. He disagreed with following these virtues that Confucius made up, filial piety, yes. what, what have you. And so he is completely at odds with that. So as you see at the start of the chapter, you see him really kind of talk about learning and this and that. He's kind of talking not just about being overly read and overly intellectual. Yes. He's also talking about the cultural programming yes. of the time you find yourself in. How influenced are you by the cultural programming of that time? Mm. Which was Confucianism in his time, and in our time it's something different, mm. which we which probably would relate to political correctness and yeah. and what's accepted mm. by whatever the media and government say is acceptable. But Lao Tzu is saying, if you follow that, you're actually the real fool. Because it's only the way. Yes. The moral flavors of the time will change. Confucianism d disappeared in the Warring States period, kind of disappeared. I mean, it, it lost its grip on the society. Yeah, again, here lots of being big a critique of that way of thinking, isn't yeah. it? Yes, and no good and evil. Mm. Yeah, must I fear what others fear? Mm. What nonsense. I mean, that's exactly right. What mm. nonsense. That's what it literally says. Yeah. And yes and no good and evil type of a, a complete dualistic way of thinking is again that black and white way of thinking. And a lot with uh, how um, fundamentalists would think how uh, things can be said yes and no or good and evil are fundamentally good or fundamentally bad mm. but there's no such thing as being fundamentally good or bad in nature no. nature only seeks balance mm. everything has its own role there is nothing to uh, really always accept or always not accept just uh, things are just a way of uh, nature just following way of nature mm. and Lao obviously sits uh, in a place where this kind of concept is completely transcended. He's at beyond this way of thinking. So where he sits, things can be said yes and no. Things can be dissected, good and evil. Uh, of course, it's it's nonsensical. Mm. Doesn't make any sense, mm. right? Yeah. This only makes sense in very ordinary and mundane world, right? That's uh, to be known as what common, right? Yeah. 
in this world, you can say what's yes, good or, good or bad, but where Lao is at and at his, in his perspective, this is just stupid. Yeah. Alan Watts called this in the book, if you remember, the game of black and white. Yeah. So Lao is kind of, he's the, one of the first proponents of exposing the game of black and white right and wrong good and evil yeah who's to say mm. and often when you talk about good and evil it really depends on what side of the fence you sit on and you've got to be very careful because depending on the side of the fence you can be influenced by propaganda you can be yes. influenced by all sorts of things yes and so what a Taoist learns is to see different perspectives but you don't have to take on those different perspectives as your own beliefs mm. but you can learn to because you, your consciousness is open, so you can see different perspectives. You understand that the game of black and white is actually a, a fake game. It's not a real game. Yes. And we still live in the game of black and white mm-hmm. because people are not mature enough psychologically mm-hmm. or haven't turned their attention back in on themselves yep. to see that things such as morality and this and that are geared according to the cultural programming of the particular location that you live. But that particular morality can be null and void in a different part of the world. Mm -hmm. So whose morality is right and wrong? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people get really angry because we've, we had a podcast on the, on the immorality of morality before the Taoist view of the amoral perspective. Some people really misunderstood it. So you're against morality. It's like not against morality, but you have to understand that the game of black and white. And like you said, a fundamentalist perspective of say morality is not true at all. No. It is not true. There are innate things within us that we don't need a set of rules for. Like intuitively, as Mencius points out, we all feel that killing another person doesn't feel right. Yes. So you don't have to learn that. Though there are people who aren't psychologically, psychologically together who commit those crimes. But in general, most people don't. Mm. People who have a healthy mind yeah. don't think like that. Yes. Mm. And the problem with the game of black and white is twofold because you have it where you have this fakeness of like, this is right, this is wrong, good and bad. Uh, so you, you either sit on one side of the fence or the other. And what happens is the ordinary person molds their character and their self-image according to the game of black and white. Yes. That's the problem, see? And that's what we find in this day and age. And when people say to you and I, like, why do you always critique political correctness and and say how silly it is? Because political correctness is shaping ordinary people's character and self-image yeah. according to whatever the companies and the governments and the religious beliefs think is good for you. Mm. But have you ever just explored nature itself? Have you ever explored your own nature? Because in this chapter, Lao Tzu is saying that he he is not worried about reputation or self-image. Yes. He is because he follows the way of nature, he has no concern about it. So he doesn't care about negative or positive opinions from anyone. Mm. He's only concerned about his own internal path his own internal validation of following Tao. Mm -hmm. that's all that concerns him and that doesn't depend on anyone else Mm. or any system of belief on the outside and so we have to really explore our own cultivated self-image and see how actually fake that is and ingenuine that is yeah 
What exactly you said there is something I think Derek Lin's translation of um, him saying in the chapter is something like uh, how how Lao Tzu himself thinks he's ignorant. Yeah. In in the chapter, yeah, I don't yeah. know which line it is, yeah. but how ignorant he thinks himself is in mm. comparison to how others like celebrating and mm. being happy and having goals and things yep. like that. Mm. But I think that's quite the other way around. Other way around, yeah. Mm. In that sense, like you said, uh, they people who easily get swept up by modern culture seem to act, they are so much in care of other people and whatnot. Mm. But it's quite the other way around. Yeah. Ignorant meaning they're not really looking into their own uh, problems, yeah. their own inner world, what's really happening. Mm. And they're just uh, identifying themselves with what media and media and the culture would tell them what's right and what's wrong, right? Yeah. So that here, yeah, the people in in general are actually the ignorant people. Yeah. That's that's the message. Well it's yeah. almost sarcasm too. Yeah, well in this line where Lao Tzu says, I have the heart of a fool indeed. So ignorant. But he's almost being sarcastic in a sense mm. towards the culture. Right. Because he's not ignorant of the Tao. Everyone has forgotten the Tao. He's ignorant of what's accepted in the society. Mm. You know, he's not br- well. He he says he's not bright like other people. Like you know, yeah, yeah. In this way, but the fact of the matter is, he's not. Uh, co- he's not nurtured by the society, mm. and he's rejected the principles right. of the game of black and white. I had a friend the other day say to me, we were talking about some topic, and he said something about something that was in the 90s, for example. And he said, oh, you wouldn't be able to say that this day and age, would you? And I said, why? And it, he kind of was taken back. He, he was like, what do you mean? Like, you just wouldn't be able to say it. And I'm saying, but why? Mm. Why wouldn't you be allowed to say it? Oh, well, you would be like cancelled by the mob and this and that. And it's like, but you can still say what you want. Yes. Why does it matter what the society or the the corporations or the businesses actually think of you? Mm-hmm. It's it's in your acquiescence to that political correct attitude that is what's taking the, the genuineness out of society and the authenticness out of the individual because you're following that mode of thinking. Some people have to draw a line in the sand and this is where the spiritual people come into it where we draw a line in the sand and say, no, we don't follow the way of society and culture we follow the way we follow the path i sometimes wonder when you see that sort of reaction when have we lost our principle and a bit of spine really you know that means that person had given up and given in him given himself in to the you know modern narrative whatever that is you know and obviously he is concerned of what other people would think of him. Mm. But again, like if you follow your principle and if you have a strong spine, yeah. what's there to really worry about? Why? Because, because what's been played against your principle has to be, you know, has to be pointed out, 
right? You have to. Doesn't doesn't matter what people say. What's against your principle is against your principle, and things has to be mentioned. Mm. Things gotta be corrected. Mm. Are we just gonna give ourselves all in to what? Just worrying about what the modern culture is, mm. then there's no longer real principle survive. Modern culture is empty. Yes. It's a moving thing. Yeah. It's It changes all the time. Mm. Whatever the moral flavors of the time are, people think they need to acquiesce to those, but you don't need to. And if you're sincere on the spiritual path, you would understand, particularly with Taoism, that Taoism is a technology which critiques any society. And it showcases how f- fundamentally flawed cultures are because it, it operates from a naturalistic methodology. Yes. And so when you're operating from a natural methodology and you put that on any man-made system, then you see the inherent flaws in the man-made systems. So what are you going to follow? Mm. Are you going to follow the way of nature or the man-made systems? Right. You have to draw a line in the sand and you have to make your choice. You and I made our choice many years ago. Yeah. And that's why we are out of sync with the moral flavors mm. of the time. And we are perfectly calm, perfectly shanti, perfectly happy. Yes. Because we're not, we uh, have a clean conscience because we don't follow those moral flavors. Mm. We follow the way of nature, the way of the Tao. Something that here, um, this uh, somewhat... Lao Tzu explains his own feelings in this chapter somewhat the existential loneliness mm-hmm. of a sage here being Lao Tzu. Mm-hmm. And that I can relate a lot to it because um, I get confused a lot when I, f- I see people who can just easily get swept up by, persuaded by, and easily give themselves in Mm. right because whenever that happens to me i have like a bit of an allergic reaction i i it doesn't sit with me very well like (laughs) i just i just can't do it Mm. i can't accept it Mm. i just can't do it i Mm -hmm. i prefer to lose everything else but not to give in because it just doesn't sit with me very well Mm. and i think um that's somewhat uh, Lauta also felt, obviously, that mm. a, a bit of that. Uh, that comes with a bit of loneliness, as you mentioned very earlier. Yeah. And at the beginning, when you do feel that sort of um, feeling, uh, you're confused because what you think and how you feel seems to be very foreign to everyone else, mm. right? Yep. And you think that, oh, something wrong with me. And you start kind of blaming somewhat yourself, criticizing yourself, like, why am I like this? There's something mm. wrong with me. Because mm. everyone else is not like you, right? Yep. But, okay, so you kind of are uh, drifting around and you, get, you stay confused for a little while or a long while. Mm. And you live, meanwhile, you live your life a little bit, you know. Mm. You um, either work or travel or do what you will and you spend your time like that for a little while being confused but uh, in those period i think you while you don't even notice that you get mature you you be, you become grown up mm. right while you don't even know then you start to see slowly things are changing in your eyes 
There's actually nothing wrong with you. Your surrounding is something wrong with it, right? Yep. The people, people you see, the society and the culture, mm. that's what's really wrong. Mm. Not you. It's, so in the end, uh, yeah, you will still be confused every now and then, but nothing really to be confused about. No. Because you can somewhat be pitiful and sympathize with uh, everyone else who follow uh, culture blindly because they just not walk woken up they they're yeah. not awake mm. right mm. but probably you are yeah you're much more uh, in tune with your own self you are seeing the subtle changes in the world but you can see it clear eyes critically right mm. more yeah so that it's actually nothing wrong with you you have been completely sane all along mm. and then that is the good sign of you maturing yeah you see the world purely yes. without being uh, conditioned or biased to see it a certain way which is all what all culture and what majority of people how they see the world is because they've been conditioned to see the world a certain way and so when you come with clear clear eyes and you see the world purely you're you're completely out of sync with the rest of the world and Mencius has a good metaphor for what you were talking about, which is Ox Mountain. So in the story, Mencius and, and one of his disciples are there talking and they see Ox Mountain in, in the background. So everything else is, all the other mountains in the background are all beautifully green and Ox Mountain is completely desolate. And, and you know, Mencius is trying to pinpoint the inherent goodness. Like he's saying people are fundamentally good, but it's a society that makes people bad. But then the student goes, but look at Ox Mountain. Look, it's desolate. It's, its nature must be inherently bad. Yes. And he said, even though it's got no shrubbery on it, it's got no vegetation, its location, it's right beside a big city. And so it's the environment that pollutes Ox mm. Mountain. The farmers all come up there and all of their animals graze the mountain while all the other, one, other mountains in the background are all left alone. Mm. Chop, chopping the trees chopping down. Chopping the trees down. So it's the environment that pollutes the person. Yes. And I always harp on about trying to tell people in relation to that and what you were saying is that you inherently belong. Mm. It's the society that makes you feel like you don't belong because mm. of all of this stupidity that mm. they promote and the division they promote amongst humanity and the way of behavior that you are supposed to apply yourself to and acquiesce to. But you belong inherently. You don't need a stupid society or the world to tell you how to be. Yes. You inherently belong to the Tao, the way. Yes. And in relation to loneliness, <clears throat> as you mature mm. and you let go of the conditioning of the society you are from and the culture you are from, then you start to, your consciousness opens up mm. and you start to feel as if you, yeah, I do belong. Mm. And I, I could give two Fs what society thinks about me oh yes or what people think about me and sometimes your loneliness is forced sometimes it matures for myself on a personal level my loneliness was kind of a forced loneliness i lost my parents both when i was young my siblings disowned me my parents disowned uh, my my uh, friends disowned me because of i was on this path mm. and they couldn't understand it was like what your dad said to you you drank the wrong water mm. 
So it was that sort of thing. So sometimes your loneliness is forced. And at a young age, I couldn't understand it. Yes. But then you mature, mm. you know. I, I'm alive. I met you through the process. Yes. Um, but you do mature where you can see and have compassion actually for those people, you know. Like not that my siblings and I would ever like get together and talk about this, but there's an understanding that of where they are mm. and their journey yes. and where I am. Mm. I mean, I know if my mother and father were still alive, they'd be extremely proud of what I do because they, un- they love me unconditionally, as most parents ordinarily do. Yes. You know, I could be in the travelling circus and they would still... <laughs> I could be a clown in the circus. They would still love me. No disrespect to clowns. I love clowns. But uh, you've got to overcome that, as you said, that existential loneliness. Sometimes it's forced. Sometimes it naturally develops. But once your consciousness opens and you free yourself from the, the cultural conditioning, the political correctness, then you'll have that real grounding that I really do belong in this world and I am one with the Tao. That existential loneliness is, I think, to me, something beautiful, actually. There is some sort of like indescribable beauty in it mm. because it's, yes, it's loneliness, but... It's that place where you're at is actually somewhat sacred, I think. Mm. Because from that place only you can see things as they are, right? Yeah. Like, and there's certain like kind of um, a ecstasy, I think, that you only can see through nature of reality while other people are too busy running around doing their things, right? Like, that's why, again, um, that loneliness can really get you when you are early in the path and at a young age, maybe, because uh, um, everyone else had get all, seemed to get along really well and go out for a um, party or gathering or whatever, and but you yourself uh, seem to uh, be like something a bit odd in 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 the group, right? But I think uh, once you become a bit more mature and you, once you have a bit more life experience and more observant of your own feelings and what's going on inside your mind, then you will realize that actually that sort of existential loneliness is something. A bit of a gift, I think, because when you look at all these great-minded people throughout the centuries, let's say um, recent times, like yeah, Alan Watts or Alice um, Huxley, Carl Jung, all these people, extremely smart but extremely uh, in touch with nature and themselves, were... Uh, <laughs> so alone actually mm. maybe they had the close friends um, wife wife husband so really a handful of people around them but in society in the in society they were very alone actually mm. but when you uh, listen to their talks or when you read their books there's such beauty in it uh, then you get to have a bit of a, bit of a look inside their world mm. over the shoulder sort of thing then like oh actually it's a great place it's a beautiful place 
、then you actually feel a little more like fulfilled somewhat.、Mm. Why? Because, like I said, there is something、um, special about being in that place alone. 100%. Actually, as you were saying, it's, it's like a stage, like a level. If you look at the yogic tradition,、uh, they have Kaivalya,、mm. it's one of the last stages of reaching Samadhi in the yogic tradition. And Kaivalya、uh, in English is aloneness. Right. So when, once you have Kaivalya, when you're ascending the levels of spiritual practice, you have this extreme aloneness. Because it's kind of like that concept of, you know, a lot of people say offhand, they say, you know, I came into this world alone, I'll leave this world alone.、Yes. But the yogi understands that they're always alone in some sense、mm. through the whole process. They're not alone in the sense that they're one with Brahman or the Tao, if you will. They're always at one with that, but they're alone in the sense of that they're not. Incorporated and in, in, in the society、yep. in general, especially in the yogi, like they don't even stay in one location for longer than a week ordinarily. So they're always moving. So in the yogic tradition, there is this idea of Kaivalya as a spiritual practice. So for them, you know, we're talking, if we go back thousands of years for yogis, for example, there wasn't like all of this media and all of this noise and stuff that confused us. But there were still things in the society that you know, probably conditioned people a certain way to behave a certain way.、Uh, so maybe it was easy for, easier for them to be alone, but there would have still been a struggle initially, as we all struggle with the aloneness in the beginning. But they turned it into a spiritual practice.、Mm. I've got to overcome this aloneness without going mad. <laughs> basically, right? <laughs> They had to overcome it without going crazy or without becoming depressed. Yes. And the only way that you can do that is from disentangling from the society that you're from or the culture、mm. that you're from to free yourself from that. As Lao Tzu said here, you know, to be free like in the limitless sky. You know, like, so you're freeing yourself from those social bonds,、yes. those cultural conditioning,、mm. and embracing the, the aloneness、yes. as a spiritual practice. That's what Kaivalya is. And Lutz is kind of indicating that in this chapter. It's like embrace that loneliness. You will feel alone when you become a, a student of the Tao, when you follow the way. But that should be embraced. That's an indicator of your progress on the path. Right.、Yeah. If you're at the party, as you mentioned, and you're getting legless drunk and you're jibber jabbing about gossip and so forth and so on. You're letting this, the world drag you back in. Yes. And look, that's, there is no good or bad.、Mm. It's just that you're, you're falling back into the way of the world, not the way of the Tao. And the way of the Tao is very simple,、yes. as the Tao Te Ching always points out. And like if you meet a, a Taoist hermit in China, for example, they live such a simple life compared to any of us listening and watching this right now, including you and I. And even they say they're not close enough to the Tao. And they're living in a mud hut basically with nothing. And so, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean that we all have to do that.、Mm. But sometimes that's the dedication some people have on the path. Yes. It's almost like、uh, you yourself need to be disengaged、yeah. with、um, 
any kind of social bonds. Yeah. That's including uh, where you are physically located in society yep. and the connection with the people who are around you, including close friends and family, yep. right? Yep. You are in disengaging yourself from all of that and you willingly decided to stop identifying with all of that, mm. identifying yourself with all of that. Yep. So in that process, because you are disengaging with your environment, that it makes you to think who you think you are. But once you disengage with that idea that you are going inside, right, and you are really seeking your own self, and in that process, it gives you tremendous freedom mm. in it because there's nothing to limit you in a certain way, to mold you in a certain way according to society and culture mm. and the people around you, mm. right? You are free from all of that. So you can truly shine as who you truly are mm. and let, you, let your true self to really come forth and you can just feel comfortable to be who you really are. Exactly. And Lao Tzu actually says, as you were mentioning, he says in the chapter, I am, I alone am quiet and uninvolved like an infant, yet smiling. And so that is that innocence and that is that mm. uninvolved mind yes. with the social bonds and the cultural conditioning. And to, to back up what you were saying, this is where traveling can help and this is why the yogis actually do travel. But you and I know this firsthand because we particularly like places where English isn't the first language. But that's not really why we go there. We go there mainly for the, the spiritual essence of the place, say, say India, right? India is a spiritual heart of the world, but English isn't the first language. So you can go to places where... We go to Tamil Nadu a lot, right? So in Tamil Nadu, some places in Tamil Nadu, English isn't widely spoken. But the amazing thing with human beings, and people don't like to highlight this, is that we have such an innate connection with each other. A lot of people make a song and dance about differences in religion, races, and gender, and all of this BS, as if they're real things, and they're not real things. And India is a good example of that, where you can go there, and if you just learn something as subtle as the Indian head wobble, <laughs> then you're all good. Yeah. Because you can have a, a really heartfelt connection with someone without the use of language. And you can learn a lot from, from those interactions. Mm. And that, in a sense, you could say is, a, is kind of like aloneness as well because you're outside of your, your familiar environment. Yes. You don't, no one speaks the same language as you. No one looks the same as you. Not that, they, not that any of that matters. It doesn't matter mm. to me. And so I feel completely comfortable in those sorts of environments, I'm not sure why. Some people don't. But the thing is, if you give yourself time, what it does is it starts to wear away your conditioning. Mm -hmm. It's like the water slowly wearing away, wearing away the rock. Mm -hmm. It wears away your conditioning slowly the longer you leave yourself in that particular place. And then it allows you more to live from the heart instead of living from all of these conditioned components that you think you are. 
A lot of people think they're their gender, their race, their religion, the nation they're from. But when you start traveling and you put yourself somewhere in a, in a completely different environment, you know you're not any of that. That was all even learned. You're learning this conditioning. Yes. The conditioning is what needs to be dropped. And this is when I see all the rubbish, in a, particularly in America, of the, all of this divide between people. I just think it's so hilarious because they're not realizing that inherently we're all brothers and sisters. Yes. You, you're concentrating on things that are fake and not real. Yes. You only think they're real because you're holding on to it. You're grasping it. You're not letting go and, and embracing your fellow common brother and sister. You're, you're making artificial wedge between it. Mm. But then when you drop yourself somewhere like Bangladesh... You've got to think on your feet. But what happens when you're in Bangladesh? The Bangla people are amazing. Yes. Lovely people. Yes. And they don't care what you look like. They don't care that you don't speak their language. They love and embrace you. You, mm. you and I have been invited for dinner. We've never been invited for dinner anytime ever in Australia. You spend one day in Bangladesh, you never skip a meal. Yeah. You got breakfast, lunch and dinner sorted. Three different families. They don't care. They will love you even more because you came from different countries. Yeah, exactly. Is that, that, yeah, that their heart is so pure. They're so Taoist in a sense. Yes. That's what I, I said to someone once before. Like, They said, what's the most Taoist country in the world? And I said, India. And they're like, Taoism's not even practiced there. But I said, the ethos of Taoism lives in India. Yes, yes, yes. The unfiltered, the naturalness of India is... It's there. And as soon as you step off the, off the plane in India, it hits you in the face, as Sadhguru said. You can't hide from it. The spirituality of the place hits you in the face and the innocence of the people. <laughs> it's an amazing thing, isn't it? And there's just, there's just a lot of countries are, are running away from that. I think that's why a lot of people call India like Mother India, isn't mm. it? Like, again, there's a dip, I guess there are many different reasons why people call it like that. But um, because India, even Indian history tells itself, right? Mm. It just nurtures everyone, nourishes everything, accepts everyone, mm. right? Mm. That's why I think um, when you mention about how you feel completely comfortable being in that complete foreign environment being in from that uh, aloneness place that loneliness place yeah you are complete alien and foreigner in that environment and you don't even speak their language but place like india it doesn't matter what language you speak doesn't matter how you look like it mm. doesn't matter where you come from they accept you no matter what. Mm. And yeah, they they take you as uh, they take you as just a fellow brother and sister. Mm. And I mean again, like when when I was there very first time, like you see someone a couple of times and they share a, a, a chai or meal together on the street. Mm. And then you see next time around, he, this person start calling me a sister. Hey, sister. <laughs> like, you know. Diddy. Yeah, Didi. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Mm. Didi. And it's, 
amazing feeling how the a country accepts people no matter what. Again, that's why we mentioned so many times. That's why it is so such a special place, mm. right? And where do we feel like that when we go to foreign countries, like uh, developed countries, like you know, westernized countries, modern world. No. You f- feel more alone, not in a good way, <laughs> right? Okay. You feel you're completely uh, disowned mm. and you feel completely disconnected with the fellow beings mm. in those countries. Yep. But if you go to a place like yeah, Nepal, India, um, yeah, Bangladesh, Pakistan, or even Middle East, mm. right? Mm. It's such lovely accepting people that feeling that it's indescribable unless you went and actually had had experience with it yeah Mm. well how many of our indian friends who live in australia thought it was a good idea to come and make a lot of money here Mm. but they're dying on the inside Mm. because the plate australia doesn't have what india has i mean it's just a fact of the matter it's just no disrespect to Australia, right? But like, it just doesn't have what India has. Yeah. And India is still connected to that spiritual foundation that binds humanity as one. And Western modernized cultures have gone away from that and have gone more into a practical, materialist way of looking at life. If we just take care of our needs, that'll bring happiness. And... That idea has been pulled apart so much these days. Psychologists know it's not true, actually. That's why uh, the happiest people in the world are often in the poorer countries. Yes. Which is ironic because if materialism and taking care of our needs led to happiness, then the richest countries in the world should be the happiest, but they're not. That's often where the most suicides are. That's often where uh, the most mental health problems are. Yes. Look at Korea. Mm-hmm. And so this is what happens when you go far, far, far away from the Tao, when you forget the Tao, as Lao Tzu said, and you fall for these cultural uh, traits and conditioning that they themselves are trying to assure you this is the path to happiness, the path to contentment. And Lao Tzu knew 2,500 years ago that when he was looking at Confucius anxiously running around trying to get people to think the way that he does. And he was seeing people unhappy. Mm. He was seeing people, he was seeing families lose their way, lose their nature, lose their essence. He's like, this is definitely not the surefire way to happiness and contentment. Because he remembered Taoist communities before socialization mm. where everyone was just living on the farm doing their thing and, and we're all well and good with everyone else in their surroundings. But then he saw this change and we are, we are always seeing this change since we've stepped into agrarian cultures. And so you're constantly seeing this change of people moving with the times, moving with the moral flavors, continually forgetting the Tao, losing their essence. And even the very mention of the Tao or Brahman, if you're outside of India, for example, or those sorts of countries, it's, it's completely foreign. Yes. And it's very important that everyone listening and watching our podcast stay firm on the path mm. are sincere on this path mm. because it's only with you 
that the world can go in a healthy and sane direction. Yeah. And in that process, what we all need to remember is that just like very last line says, I am nourished by the Great Mother. Yep. You will always be taken care by the Great Tao. So you think you're alone, but you're never alone. You can never be alone, actually, no. because the Tao, the Brahman, whatever you call it, is always with you, is within you, is inside you. You are it. You are just an aspect of it. You are, and we're all it. Yes. We, but we identify with this equipment and we yeah. think we're differentiated. Mm. We think we're different from everything else. Hey, look, look, I'm Jason. Look, 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 look what a character. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, that's the same as guy on there and same as everyone listening and watching. It's the same thing. But you've identified with the equipment of the, of the one consciousness. Things in nature, uh, whatever it's, changing and changeable things mm. aren't truth mm. that's how easy we can actually uh, discriminate yep. between what's real and what's not yep. what's can what can constantly change and what is changing and what's changeable is not real no what cannot change is real and truth yep. right so when we think about that then way of nature way of the universe and 100%. the energy of nature and energy of universe is everlasting it was there before us it will, will be there long before, long after us yes it's the one source <laughs> yes and Lao Tzu is mentioning towards the end of the chapter he is confirming like when he critiques all of society in, in the first two parts of the chapter, how he says, you know, I'm, I'm alone like this. People are, but ordinary people are bright. I alone am muddled. People are scrutinizing. I, I alone am obtuse. But then he goes on to say, such tranquility like the ocean, such high wind as if without limits. Mm-hmm. And this is such a beautiful, uh, th- these two lines are so beautiful because Ordinary people are so yes. noisy and confused yes. because they forgot the Tao. But for Lao Tzu, he has swam to the depths of the ocean of the Tao where mm-hmm. it's very tranquil. So he is like a, a bird soaring high in the sky without limits yes. because he doesn't follow the way of the world. Mm. That's, the, that's the takeaway in this chapter for anyone who is sincere on the path. If you don't follow the way, if, if you reject the way of the world, what it wants for you, yes. then you can be that eagle soaring high in the sky without limits and be at one with the Tao. And then the Tao can use you as it needs to because you are an aperture for the universe to express itself. But we often forget that because yes. we think we are this person yes. who is fighting in this world of social competition, competition and, and differences. But you're just not seeing the world as it truly is. Mm. It's the limitless sky. That's right. Actually, human beings are a representation of that. Yeah. And we forget. Yeah. Mm. And so once you get rid of all of that, then as I mentioned, you truly do belong. You are one with the Tao. You could not be anything else. Yes. This person you think you are, these beliefs you think you are, this anger you have towards that other person, Mm. 
Mm. It's all nonsense. Yes. Because you do belong. You are at one with the Tao. And that person you are angry at also is one with the Tao. Mm -hmm. They may have forgotten it as well, yes. as most people have. Mm. But the point of this chapter and the two previous before that is to for us to remember the Tao, to remember that we do belong inherently. And we are one fundamentally. And it doesn't matter what anyone says or what anyone believes because that is the fact of the matter that is the truth. Beautiful. Okay, guys, thank you for watching and we'll see you guys next time.